right, here we are. It's the Unified CXM Experience, and as always, it's Brad Kahn, CXO, Chief Experience Officer at Sprinkler, coming at you live with a recording. So today we are actually going to be playing a webinar that I did very recently with Maxi Schmidt-Subramanian. Maxi is the VP and Principal Analyst at Forrester, and we did a webinar on Boost Your CXM Success with a Unified Approach. So it's actually a very, very cool webinar with some great content in it. And we're basically talking about a study that Forrester just did on the advantages of unified platforms in marketing, or in specifically a unified CXM platform. And um, they did a survey of people, whether they wanted something like that, most do, whether they have something like that, most don't, whether they know there is something like that, most don't. That's some work we have to do here at Sprinkler, but it's a really great study by Forrester. And Maxie and I had a great time, great energy. She was wonderful. Um, really great sort of time as we went through this. Uh, she adds a lot of interesting examples. And the two of us kind of geeked out a little bit on customer experience and customer experience management. Uh, it was a super fun time. So enjoy this webinar. Boost your CXM success with a unified approach uh, featuring myself and Maxie Schmidt to Brandania. EP Pennsylvania at Forrester. Hi, everybody. My name is Grad Khan, and I am here today to talk about Unified CXM. I'm really excited about today's session. I'm going to be joined today by uh, Maxi. Maxi is the VP and Principal Analyst at Forrester, and she's going to be working with me to talk about how we think about Unified CXM and whether the Unified approach is a good idea or not. Uh, let me just frame this up a little bit for a second and talk a little bit about what you're going to see today, what we're going to do, and then we'll jump right into it. So first of all, um, the thing that's, I think, very exciting about today's session is that Forrester has done some brand new research on platforms and CXM and really probing into whether the unified approach makes the difference and is something that people want to move towards. So we're actually going to look at that research together. Maxie and I will have a pretty open discussion about it, and you'll be able to download that research, and that link will be provided to you at the end of the webinar uh, in the last page. Let's talk a little bit about the work that's been done um, by Forrester on this um, study. And this slide here, which I've um, had up for a couple minutes, it really has essentially one point in it, which is uh, we talk to people, director and up, um, mostly directors, but quite a few VPs and C-level as well. And we did it very broadly around the world across multiple industries. So this is a very broad-based study. We talked to more than 300 companies. Anything you want to add to that, Maxi? I think just the cross-functional nature of the sample, I think is also interesting, especially given the kind of um, results that, uh, or the kind of questions that the Forrester Consulting team wanted to That's ask. That's awesome. That's awesome, okay. So three key takeaways. And uh, maybe what I'll do is I'll quickly summarize these and then we'll just dig into it and you and I can kind of go back and forth on it. So um, we had sort of three conclusions coming out of the study. One is that the journey to great CXM continues and it's not nearly done per our conversation of two minutes ago. Number two, the stack, uh, the MarTech stack, the sets of point solutions that people are attempting to integrate is causing problems in achieving number one. And number three, uh, there's a bunch of issues around data unification and the lack of that causing problems around coordination. So let's dig into all three of those. And I'll sort of start with the first one, which is the journey to great CXM continues. 
and here are the results. So Maxie, why don't you kind of quickly summarize these and then we can talk about this slide for a couple of minutes. Right. So you can see when you're looking at this, that when we asked the respondents to talk about how good their companies are at doing just normal things when it comes to customer experience, right? They actually said, very, very few of them said that their companies are doing well. You can see the top three there, the customer experience is highly fragmented. Yes, um, the engage, uh, can, can engage address one-to-one -one issues, not really. Customer data is also highly fragmented, right? So there's fundamental problems in this. Um, I would add something that um, maybe didn't come out of this research, but comes out of our research. And that is that we see a lot of companies who don't have any discipline behind their customer experience management. So not just the technology, but even what kind of priorities or what kind of functions and um, uh, tasks we need to put in place to create a vision of the experience and to then create a strategy that helps us achieve mm, that vision. That kind of discipline is also lacking. And I think that's part, part, partly also to blame for some of the struggles that we're still seeing, or as you put it so nicely, uh, the uh, headroom we still have to yeah. improve. Well, you know, so I talk about this, I'm the chief experience officer at Sprinkler. And, and I'm, by the way, I'm not gonna pretend that you know we're perfect by any stretch of the imagination, although we sort of, certainly work on it a lot. But I spend a lot of time talking to customers about what they're trying to do. And just check me on this a little bit. The thing I find fascinating is how difficult it is to get people to talk about the experience in terms of the actual journey that their customers are going to have. So I was talking to a hotel chain and it was striking to me how long it took for the hotel chain to start to think about what a reimagined guest experience would be like versus thinking about the systems that they wanted to set up and the, the data that they wanted to move around. And I think this inability to first imagine the guest experience or whatever you call your customer, to first imagine the guest experience in a compelling way, I think it makes it really difficult to do anything else. But like, tell me if you've seen that or what, what do you think that is? Because like, I'm running into it more often than I would expect to. You know, I agree with you. We find these companies who are, so they can't conceive of why customers do business right. with them. What is the value going back to the value? And what's the value of this customer's getting out of it? Like in a hotel, the value might be that I can be alone in my room and then, no, thank you. I do not want the reception person to knock on my door five minutes after I arrived asking me if I want right. anything, right? But if the value is that I want to be pampered 24 seven, then I might want right. that, right? And so that, 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 and I understand also that there's complexity around different people, right? I might be the not want to be bothered person and grad, you might want to be having them knock on your door at, at all hours. Well, but in a different day, it's on different people, right? <laughs> some days I'm the knock on the door person, but, some days I'm the leave me alone person. That's right. really challenging. It is challenging, but even just thinking about the fact that, that these different scenarios that people are in and might be in and what should the experience feel like? What should this experience feel like for our guest or member or customer or whatever, right? And in our research, we often find that boils down to what's our customer experience vision. But most companies, when they create a customer experience vision, they pull this out of their sleeve. They say some words that sound great, like reliable or innovative or whatever right. it is, right? But they don't do the research necessary to figure out what actually customers want to right. feel in this experience. Yeah, and I, I, um, I think at the end of the day, people want, very specific things. I, I went to a hotel last weekend. I was in, or two weekends ago, I guess I was in Greenwich and I went to a hotel and they didn't have parking. Like their parking lot was full. Uh, and it had a very negative effect on my guest experience. 
Uh, and so they're asking, you know, is there anything else we can do to help you? And I'm like, yeah, have parking. <laughs> I don't know what to say. And I think that's yeah. a little bit of the, they've got all these sort of overlaid systems, but at the end of the day, sometimes people just need parking uh, or, you know, they, they had created a set of stairs into the hotel. So to get your bags into the hotel, you had to drag your bags up about eight to 10 stairs, which is, was relatively awkward because we had a lot of bags and it was just like, yeah, have a ramp and parking. Like, I don't know, do I really need to say these things out loud? So I think yes. that's, I think, yeah. As if they've never seen their customers struggle with their problems, yeah. which is why we talked about customer care earlier, right. right? That's where you explained the struggles you had. Hey, I was in your hotel. I couldn't get up the stairs. Yeah. Excuse me, please. That's or, ridiculous. Or, or it's like they've never been to a hotel yeah. themselves. Like, <laughs> it's like yes. they've never checked in anywhere. And, I, and it was so funny because they actually reached out by text to see how things were going. And I said, you know, a little frustrated that I, I can't park my car. And then I got a sorry to hear that. And that was it. That was it. I never, never had another piece of follow up. And so I think that to a large extent, some of the CX stuff was being set up as like the systems to you know, query or ask questions, but they don't really get at the core of the issue. And I would say I'm probably, it's just actually funny. I haven't really talked about this publicly. I'll have to put this on the podcast. I'm actually more frustrated at this very minute than I was even at the time when I was in the hotel because uh, they, they didn't fix any of it. It was, just, it was, it was, I almost wish they'd yes. ignored me completely. And I would just be like, Oh, I guess that's what you get for you know, booking this hotel. It's supposed to like constantly asking me questions about how it's going, how it's going and me saying it's not going well. And then I'm like, sorry. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. You know, you know what this is, Grant? I, I think of this as the two piece, right? The perfunctory questions. Yeah. Like in the supermarket, did you find everything you wanted to right. find? Um, I'm checking out right. where are you asking right. now, right. or at the hotel. And the second is that kind of placating. I remember I went to Nordstrom. I had real trouble with finding finding where to, where to drop where to drop stuff. And I said, you know what? This was really hard because the sign. Yeah. Oh, so sorry, sorry, sorry. Like, Wait a second. I haven't explained what I'm. I, I want to explain the problem. Don't you want to hear about the problem? Why are you thanking me for the feedback and shutting shutting me up? Right. And that's the other thing that placating. Oh, this is sorry to hear that. And as you know, like when you're looking at, when you're mining customer care conversations, you know that the ones that are better, that end up with customers being happy are the ones where the customers are allowed to say what they wanted to say. They're allowed to say, oh, I was really upset and frustrated. And then they get heard and then they get out of that valley yeah. again, right? That's the, that, that's the thing that, that's why the perfunctory question and the placating, thank you. You're, you're dead on. I'm actually toying with the idea because I've got this podcast and experience. I'm toying with the idea of coming up with a really esoteric grocery item. And then when someone says, did you find everything you're looking for? I'm saying, yeah, no. I mean, I was looking for peacock kidneys and I couldn't see them anywhere. Uh, but could you maybe go down and help me find them and just see what happens? Just enjoy the hilarity, right? So anyway, let's move on. But that was, we can, we can stay on this. We'll yes, come back to this. Maybe. We can, right. we can stay on, right. we can stay on ridiculous experiences right. for a long time. Uh, but also, Greg, remember these people at the cashier, they don't get paid well, so you might want to go to the store manager and do the well, thing who probably also doesn't get paid pretty yeah. well. But um, these are people in the front lines that aren't set up for but success. But somebody I mean, that's the told them to ask that question, right? And you're absolutely yes. right. They weren't set up for success. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk about the stack. Stack is causing problems. So we'll go to this right. one. So, you know, there's a, a lot of tools out there. Um, there's a number of people who have a CXM label on their tech or their company. Take us through take us through these findings. Let's talk about this for a minute. Right. So we asked um, these people, what are you currently using? Because there are a lot of tools and you can see that uh, 
people use a lot of tools and they use a lot of different tools. It goes from content management to BI tools, service platforms. And then there's a whole host of feedback related things like surveys, office of customer specialists, customer feedback management. You see social suites, listening, journey orchestration there. So a lot of stuff that they're currently using. And what stood out to me here is that what they're planning to implement is kind of more of what they know, more of what they're uh, very familiar with. So think about the, the highest share that's planned to interpret is that the 51% survey focused tools. And now we've already talked about the fact that surveys are probably not going to go away, but is this really where you want to get your insights from customers? But most of these people want to invest more in service, even though, and I don't think we have this data point in here, but even though quite a lot of people said, uh, we kind of know that surveys aren't the best way to get insights about customers. They might help us flag issues, but not really get good insights. Yet still, this is a tool that people know and they're going with it. That's something I think is really interesting. Well, there's so much momentum inside organizations. I think, I think part, and part of it sometimes is that BI is set up or measurement or sometimes even reward systems are set up against, say, survey results. So these things become mm -hmm. really hard to change because people are, I get paid based on my NPS or whatever the survey says. So I've got to keep doing it every year and got to keep trying to figure out ways of tweaking it. So my score goes up. So I keep getting paid. And I think one of the things I always coaching sellers on is that when you're pitching to somebody in a room, remember that the top of mind issue for them is their job, right? They're, they're like, I want to keep my job and I want to do well in it, but mostly I want to keep my job. And so they're, they're thinking about those issues. And so I think what happens is that the self-interest starts to overwhelm the corporate interest. Um, and I'm, and I'm seeing this over and over again, where people are more comfortable doing what they've done before, because that feels safer and that feels safer for my job. Now, what I think the irony, and uh, again, I like to like check me on this if you don't agree with me, but the irony is that increasingly the safe approach uh, is actually the way to lose your job uh, because you're not making the sort of strides that you need to make. And what happens is eventually somebody like us comes along and will say, how come your experience is this way? Or how come it's not working? Or, you know, quite frankly, the business isn't doing as well because customers are leaving and staying with that sort of safe approach actually becomes a real hindrance because now you can't revolutionize what you're trying to do with customers. Right, but it is a hard uphill battle. When you think about some of the companies who are trying to replace surveys, even just in the customer care yeah. environment, it is so hard because people are used to surveys, even though these surveys probably cover what like 5% of all customer interactions. It's really yeah, little, maybe right? Yeah, less than that, yeah. Um, there's still, yeah, yeah, but, but there's still so much writing on the minute. But I think you really nailed it. It's easy to do. It's also easier for a manager to say, your rating was 4.2, you shall not be promoted. Mm -hmm then to say, oh, we have the sentiment analysis mm. <laughs> that uh, I can't quite explain to you, but I know it's right, but I'm kind of, I, I kind of know that you're sent the sentiment of your customers from right, right? So, you know, that's just, that's just right. Easy, easy does yeah. it. Yeah, it sounds like my career mostly. I was walking in with my hair on fire. We got to try this new thing. And I was like, whoa, slow down there, cowboy. You know, <laughs> it's very interesting. Yes. I would say one of the things that we found pretty effective at Sprinkler is we'll go into companies and say, keep the surveys. Don't, don't get rid of them. They're, they're, working, they're running, you've got that system locked and loaded. And we do even have a survey tool in Sprinkler. Um, but but you should add all this public sentiment that's out there because it's very rich. You, you made this comment a bit of a go. People say a lot of things and it's very rich. They want to be heard. Uh, you can hear a lot of stuff about brands. You can hear a lot of stuff about products. You'll hear a lot about sentiment and, and there's complexity in them, of course, because often there'll be 
brand A made me sad. So I switched to brand B. Brand B is making me much happier. I'm curious about brand C. I've heard good things about it. Like that's all in a single post. And so being able to pull that apart and make that sort of make sense is a, is a skill that we've had to work really hard on at Sprinkler. But for our customers, when they start adding that really deep sentiment analysis, they start getting product insights. They'll get location insights if they're running a franchise or something that's got a lot of retail locations. Um, they'll get all sorts of media insights from it. So there's, there's a lot of really deep insight tools that come out of being able to understand that and add it to the survey data so you have a broader picture of what's going on. Right. Which is, I think that complementing that survey data often gives you a flag. Ooh, our scores in zones will go down. Because especially when you think about in-person experiences, there's very little data that you can gather about them in the moment that's easy yeah. to do. Like reviews afterwards, but in the moment you can get these surveys and you can see, okay, scores are pretty poor. And you think about this and then you have all this other data that you go into for the insights and the root cause that you've done, the analysis that you didn't do in a company. And so that, that, that idea that I often see is that people overload their surveys because they're trying to get to actionable data. If I hear this one more time, actionable data, right? there is no actionable data in surveys. The only way that surveys are actionable is to point you to a problem. Right. What the insight behind it is, and how you can solve it is completely outside surveys. And that comes then from other data sources, for example, but also from working internally with stakeholders to figure out why is this happening? Yeah, and I, I sort of made this point earlier in my introduction around Sprinkler. Uh, when people ask what's the difference between Sprinkler and other things, part of my answer is that Sprinkler pulls in all of the comments, every single one of them, because we're connected to 400 million data sources. So by pulling in every single comment, it allows you theoretically to take action on every single comment. And you're right, you know, with surveys, but even, even listening tools that do sampling, all they do is sort of give you a sense that people are angry at the, the color of your product, you know, and, and uh, you might change it, but it's hard to know what it is. Whereas with Sprinkler, what happens is people will actually say, I don't like the color of your product. And you can say, well, what, what color would you like it to be? You actually start to have a dialogue. I mean, you have a conversation, it's called conversational marketing. Well, I really think instead of red, it should be blue. Okay, great. Why is that? Well, because, and then, and then you actually get somewhere. And then when you do change it, you can go back to all those people that had complained and say, I know you didn't like the color of our product. We've got your input and feedback. So did many other people and good news. We've changed the color of the product and now it's blue and people will be like, wow, like, and we have customers like McDonald's and Microsoft and many of the people who do that. Like when I was at Microsoft, what we would do, and they still do this now, is we would collect all the feedback from people on products like Office and, you know, Dynamics, et cetera. And then when those new features were introduced, uh, we would say, hey, you asked for this feature sometimes two years ago, three years ago, four years ago. It could be, it could be up to five years in the past. Uh, and now here it's live. People are like, Wow, like their heads would explode. They're just like, I can't believe it. You actually did this? A. B, you're telling me? Uh, so, what would happen is instantly people would retweet that and it would create all sorts of really great goodwill. But, you know, that's not something that most companies have figured out or mastered. And, and your point's dead on. Yep, all right. So, let's go to the third, um, third finding unify your data. Uh, so, there's a whole bunch of stuff around. Uh, data in a unified platform. And obviously when you get a unified platform, you get unification around the data as well. And that helps um, people be more proactive and more thoughtful about what they're doing with the customer. But why don't you take us through this finding and let's, let's talk about this for a minute. Right. So here was really the question, okay, if there is a platform like that, 
what of the benefits do you think are transformational versus nice to have? And what popped up, probably not super surprisingly on top, is increased customer satisfaction. But also what I think is super interesting, a competitive advantage. Because here is the thing. Um, most companies in CX right now seem to all go into one direction. Why aren't we all easy to do business with? And most companies, frankly, need to improve how easy they do business with, right? But how does this differ, differ, differentiate you from anybody else out there? So what is that very particular thing that, uh, that you can do better where you, from the customer feedback, you understand the particular reasons they want to do business with you. You see if, this is a, if these customers are even a match to what you want to offer. And if they're a match, if they're really big fans, you serve them better, right? And then you build a competitive advantage over others. So I think this was a really important one that I wanted to call out. Awesome. Yeah, for me, the this data issue is a really interesting one. Almost every mm -hmm. company I talk to, not every single one, but almost everyone has some kind of failed data lake project going on, you know, like multi-year, millions of dollars, you know, people enslaving away at it and nothing's coming out. They don't know what to do with it. Uh, it doesn't work. They can't get it. The latency is so high that it's essentially useless for any kind of customer interaction. And so there's a sort of clamoring for a new kind of CDP. And so a number of people use Sprinkler as a CDP. And the beauty of having the data unified is not only can you see everything about a person, but for me, it's the latency issue because when systems are querying each other, particularly over APIs, latency can be so high that it doesn't result in a recommendation that you can get in front of the customer before they left the website. And so by having everything in a single place, you address latency and you have a complete profile and everyone in the company can collaborate because they know what's happened. Uh, it is going to take a while though. I think this whole issue around CDPs and data lakes and sort of the primacy of customer data, which, which system does it live in? You know, many people want to put it in the CRM system. The problem with that is that CRM systems, no matter who made them, are not built to handle emojis and images and memes and videos and all the kind of stuff that exists in this experienced data world. They're meant to handle transactional data and they're very good at that. But you need to have a CXM system for the experience and a CRM system for the transactions. You need to bring them together. It's good. So this is, a, I think, the biggest part of the journey we're on as an industry. There's a, this, uh, sorry, this slide here. Uh, firms differ in how they choose CX tech. I'd like, love you to talk to this for a second. Uh, just give me, your, give me your thoughts on this one because I certainly have a lot of points of view on this too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I've been thinking about this for a long time. It's this question, what kind of companies are buying so-called best-of-breed solutions right. versus like a Swiss knife on a bone solution? And I know you have a very particular opinion also about is this really even two, two things, um, separate things. But what I'm seeing is a lot that people in the customer experience setting, for example, they just don't have access to some of the let's say, best-of-breed tools that their organization uses. Maybe the organization has really advanced business intelligence or dashboarding tool, but they don't have access to it. So then it's really hard to wait to get access to that, right? And it makes much more sense to buy a technology where you have everything in one place, including some of the functions like dashboarding and analysis that you might otherwise want to do in a company, in, a, in an outside um, the platform company tool. So that's, that's my observation from the market that I find that the tension, right, between wanting to use something that's already in there, being in workflows that the employees already yeah. know, right? Putting your dashboard into Salesforce so that people already who are in there right. can see it versus the ability to actually get in there. And to actually be integrated with that. Yeah, and I, I think there's a maybe a false belief that you can actually integrate uh, the three letters that I'm 
I hate the most in marketing are API. I just, I, I just, I've become so cynical about it because I had so many people tell me, oh yeah, we've got an API. We can just connect to anything. And no, they can't. Uh, and and yes, both can't. both of these SaaS applications are both upgrading continuously, you know, sometimes daily, sometimes hourly, and certainly weekly. And so you've got two fast rotating cloud applications with an API that's not well managed. And so they're fragile and they break all the time or one upgrades and the whole system goes down. So let's talk a little bit about this slide. Very interesting, kind of builds off what we've been talking about. A lot of interest in implementing a unified CXM platform. So what are you seeing here? Right, that's because people see the problems we just talked about, right? The problem of not getting time with the IT people to do any integration, the problem that integrations break down, the problem that integrations cost a lot of money. So having a place that they can control, call their own, to do customer experience work seems exciting to people. You can see this in the data here, right? Very likely uh, interested as uh, nearly 40%. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. So it's exciting to see you know, when a new category comes into being, uh, it's always a little bit, you know, you know, it's always a little nerve wracking to see how people are going to take to it and uh, do people understand it and you know where we're going to go next with it. But it looks like um, Unified CXM is going to be here to stay. People are excited about the possibility. Um, they've got these you know, three key takeaways. I'll just quickly summarize what we've just gone through, but the journey to great CXM continues and we've got a lot of work to do, everybody. So get, get cracking and you know, try to visualize more, try to think about the guest experience or whatever you call your customer experience would be. Um, the stack is causing problems. It's not working and we're going to need to come up with something better like unified CXM and data uh, when unified can cause a lot of great outcomes um, and not only for your customers, but also for your own management and your own understanding of what's going on. When someone says that to you, how do I get started? How do you coach them? What advice do you give them? My go-to is um, start with a journey that your customers are going through. It could be a customer care support journey, but it could also be an onboarding journey. It could be a selling journey, whatever that is. But pick one that you know is important to the company and, and the customer, of course, but also where you can get data and where you have somebody who owns that journey that will right. work with you. So it's a, it's a, sometimes people think they need to go the hardest possible way, like work with John in accounting who really hates your guts, but you don't have to do that. But pick a, pick a place where there are people who are waiting for you, where there was in it for you that you have to explain to them will be easy to do. That's great advice. Great coaching. I think we're going to end on that. Maxi, thank you very much. Well, that's it for today at the Unified CXM Experience. I'm Greg Kahn, Chief Experience Officer at Sprinkler, and that was a webinar between myself and Maxi schmidt Sudanian. She's the VP and Principal Analyst at Forrester. I want to thank Maxi. She was fantastic to do this with. We had a really good time, and I thought we dug into some really fascinating content. Uh, just, you know, it's clear that as an industry, we're at a crossroads. People realize that the Frankenstacks that they're working with right now are not tenable, can't work anymore. We have to go to a unified platform. People are just beginning to understand if that's necessary and then how do I get there and what do I need to do to get there and you know my answer to that question is simple one word sprinkler <laughs> unified CXM experience I'm Brad Kahn and I'll see you next time